Right. Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to read verses 11 and 12. And the Bible says this. We talked about this last week. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Today we're at the next part of the Lord's Prayer where we're instructed to pray, to receive, and to grant forgiveness. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we will, uh, let's go ahead and pray one more time and ask for God's blessing on this message, and then we will dive right in. Father, we love you. Thank you for uh, this time that we have to study your word, and as we're considering what you say about prayer and how to pray, uh, Lord, I ask that you would drive this truth deep into our hearts, and may we see through this as we see every, every week. Uh, that all of this flows from, is fueled by, is motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that when we couldn't get to God, you came down to us, and you died for our sins, and you rose from the grave so that we could have new life in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would grow in that life uh, that you have for us today, as we give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know someone or you know some people who just can't apologize? Uh, you just know somebody, they just cannot say, I am sorry. Now, don't look at them. Don't look at I see some of you. You're kind of giving someone this stink guy. Like, yeah, I know you. You're the one who can't say sorry. Uh, we all know people who just cannot apologize, don't we? Uh, I was informed not too long ago that in my in my family of origin we have a hard time asking for forgiveness, uh, and and I would fight that. They'd say, you know, all of us, all all of our family, we have trouble apologizing for things, and I would fight that. We don't we don't say sorry. And then I started thinking back on my childhood, and I realized that everything that they said was right. And it just hit me that I don't think I've ever apologized. For not, for, I don't think I've ever apologized for falsely defending uh, that reality. I was thinking about whenever I was a kid, and one particular day, it was it was during the summer, and me and my brother Jason, we were sleeping, and we were sleeping in, and we were enjoying it. When all of a sudden, I was suddenly awakened by my sisters, uh, by one sister over me and the other sister over my brother, and they had just poured a glass of water on us to wake us up. And you can imagine how angry we were in that moment. I, I jumped out of bed, and those girls immediately ran to my parents for safety. That was a very smart idea on their part. But for Jason and I, we're uh, we have we don't have too much pro we don't have too many problems uh, remembering things and hanging on to things, which is not a good thing. Uh, so, but we decide, hey, you know what? You got us today, but we will not forget. We will not forget. So we waited, and it wasn't. We didn't. It wasn't the next day. It wasn't the next week. I, if I remember right, it was. It was probably a couple of months where we held on to this to this wound, and then one day we finally had our chance for revenge. Uh, we were told to go wake up the girls, and they had just poured a little bit of water on us. But you know, you whenever you sew, you always reap a lot more than you sow. So we went to the kitchen and we grabbed the cup and. And it hadn't been too long before that that we had traveled and we had gone to a Dallas Cowboys football game. We got one of those really large, I think it was like a 48, 48 ounce souvenir cup. 
and I got one of those cups, and Jason got one of those cups, and we filled it. We filled it to the brim with water. We went back to my sister's room. We poured it all over. We poured it all over them, and we just laughed until my sisters ran crying to my dad. And whenever my dad saw that they looked like they had just been thrown in the bathtub, my dad was absolutely livid. I won't tell you the whole story uh, because I don't think the statute of limitations is up. I'm, I'm just uh, so, but in that moment, I think in about 10 seconds flat, we had, we had cleaned the girls' room, uh, we had cleaned our room, and then we had found a, a weapon. Uh, I mean, a, uh, we had found a means of discipline, and I won't tell you the rest of the story, but all I'll say is this, is I still remember it to this day. Today, whenever we talk about this, this, this story, this event actually comes up sometimes. And whenever we talk about it, my sisters always defend why they threw the little glass of water on us. Jason and I always defend why we threw the big cup of water on them. And my dad always responds with, well, if you guys would have just told me why you did what you did, then I, I wouldn't have been mad at you guys. And it's like, and it's like just say you're sorry. Just say it. And uh, he's always like, well, it's your guys' fault. I didn't know. And, and we, we go back and forth, and nobody will apologize. And whenever I think about this verse, Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us to ask for forgiveness and to grant forgiveness. And I think for all of us, if we're, if we're honest with each other, asking for and granting forgiveness is some of the hardest things to do in life. Yet here in today's prayer that Jesus instructs us to offer up to God, it's a prayer for forgiveness. So there's a couple of truths that I want to look at today about this, about what Jesus says about forgiveness, and I, I, and I believe that it will it'll help us as we consider these truths today. First of all, I want you to notice the value that Jesus places on forgiveness, the value that Jesus places on forgiveness. And as we walk through this, let's go ahead and walk through this verse. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, here's the value that Jesus places on us, and here's the key that we see in this. It's that word, and. It's that word, and. Uh, and the Greek is the word, kai, and it's the first time that it has showed up, from what I can tell, from what I've seen in the Lord's Prayer. Now, you may look at it and say, Pastor David, it's just the little word, and. It can't be that big of a deal. And I would say, that is, I would, I would beg to differ on that. For example, Tell me how big this word and is. Would you like would you like milk and cookies versus would you like milk or cookies? Would you like cake and ice cream versus cake or ice cream? That's a big difference, isn't it? Uh, if I, if, you know, those Oreos when they're sitting, would you like the milk and cookies or would you like the milk? Or the cookies. Those are two big things. And here in our text, that word in is a big word, and it's an important word for this verse. Here's the reason why. You know the Lord's Prayer with me, uh, and think through this with me. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In my Bible, there's a period after that. There's a clean break. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Next thought. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Period. Or, or come. Clean break. Give us this day our daily bread. Not a clean break. Then we see kai. We see and. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the Lord's Prayer, this is the first time that we've seen two thoughts, two seemingly unrelated prayers joined together. Now, why is that? It's important. Here's the reason why this is important, because if you remember, if you were here last week, and if you weren't here last week, and you'd like to go back and look at what, what we studied about that idea of asking, give us this day our daily bread, you can find it on our YouTube channel or on our website. Uh, but last week, we said that God cares about our needs, and this prayer for daily bread is, is, the, is, the, is, is, is a symbol, is the representative of all of our physical needs. All of our basic physical needs, God cares about those needs, and God wants to meet those needs, and God cares about developing our faith through our needs. So we saw last week that whenever God said, whenever Jesus said, ask, give us this day our daily bread, what we were seeing was Jesus was saying, hey, ask for those physical needs, and it's representative, our chief physical need is the need for food. It's the need for food. So here's where the connection comes in. Alistair, I'll put it this way. And if, if bread represents our largest physical need, forgiveness represents our largest spiritual need. If bread is our biggest physical need, forgiveness is our greatest spiritual need. And I would say, we always say around here that our desire around here at New Life is that we would love Jesus and, can you finish it with me? I was, for a moment, I, like, I, I just got a little bit nervous. I was like, if we've been going at this thing for over a year, and we can't say it together. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, love, we want to love Jesus and love like Jesus. And every single week, we celebrate, both through song, we did it today. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. How does the rest of it go? Uh, one day he's coming, oh glorious day. We sing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what are we singing about? What are we declaring? What are we celebrating? That at one point we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That we were the rebels of God, yet God, because of his great love for us, he demonstrated his love for us, and he died for us so that we could be forgiven. So we could be forgiven. So if my greatest spiritual need is forgiveness, then, and that's what Jesus provided for me, then one of the most Christ-like things, we always talk about being like Jesus, loving like Jesus, then the most Christ-like thing that I can do is to forgive. Mm -hmm. To forgive. And this is the value that Jesus places on it. That if he's instructing us in verse 11 to pray for our greatest physical needs, He's, he's instructing us in verse 12 to pray for our greatest spiritual needs. Now, it's pretty commonly agreed on that this verse, and I do want to make it very clear that this verse, this instruction for, for regular prayer to ask for forgiveness, this is not salvific. And what we mean by that is this isn't the prayer that we pray to, to be born into God's family, to ask for salvation. That's something that happens once. 
just like my just like my kids were born into my family, and once they were born into my family, they never leave my family. When you're born into God's family, you can never do anything to undo that. My children, they could disappoint me, they could break my heart, they could decide that they're going to not speak to me anymore, but nothing could change the fact that they're my kids. And whenever you're truly born into God's family, then nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, so this isn't talking about that prayer. This is the regular prayer that we should all pray because we, we know, we see it in First John, that if any of us say that we're without sin, we're a liar and the truth isn't in us. Uh, so we all have this need for regular confession, this regular confession. Now, why is that? Why do I need to pray for regular confession? And to be honest, I don't completely have my mind all the way gripped around it because I know that whenever I put my faith and trust in Jesus, what he did is he forgave all of my sins, past, present, and future. He forgave them all. So why do I now ask for forgiveness? And that, I think that has more to do with the condition of our heart, keeping our heart warm and clear towards God. Uh, Jesus said it this way, no, no one can serve two masters, or either, either, he either will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. Uh, and then he says, you cannot serve God and men, you can't serve God and riches. But Jesus is saying, hey, you have these two different things, you, your heart can't belong to both. And our hearts can't be clinging to sin and be clinging to God at the same time. A preacher one time said, hey, listen, uh, sin will keep you from the scripture, or scripture will keep you from sin. Our, our hearts are going to go after something, and if my heart's going after sin, then what I find is that my heart grows cold towards the Savior. So I need to regularly confess. I need to regularly agree with God about my sin. He died to pay for all of my sin. He died to pay for all my sin, past, present, and future. But whenever I'm confessing and I'm agreeing and I'm going to him for the grace that I need, he's always freely offering. He's always freely giving, and it keeps my heart, my heart warm towards him. But Jesus instructs us, hey, this is as important. This is just as important. It's just as important for us to pray this prayer as it is to pray for the last one. So let's make sure that we as believers, that we're not just praying, Lord, give me the money. Lord, give me uh, the job. Lord, give me the... Food. Lord, give me this. We should pray for those things. God, Jesus told us to pray for those things. Let's make sure we're also praying, Father, hey, there's sin in my heart that I need to confess. There's sin in my heart that I need to agree with you about. There's sin in my heart that, that, I, need, that I need removed. Uh, I need his power removed from me so I can wholly seek after you. So I can wholly seek after you. And he puts this emphasis, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So this is the value that Jesus places on forgiveness and, and forgiving. So uh, as we consider that value, how important that is, could I ask you this question? Could I ask you this question? Is there anything in your heart and in your life that you need to be asking God, that you need to be confessing to God as sin? Is there anything that in your life that you need to be asking for God's forgiveness? And is there anything in your life for which you need to be forgiving others? Is there anything in your heart and in your life that you're holding on to against someone else? Maybe you, maybe you look at me and you say, Pastor David, well, you just, you don't know what I've been through. You, you don't know what I face. You don't know how I've been hurt. And, and in a moment, we're going to get to, God has a beautiful response to that thought. 
But I will just say that even last night, Adrian and I were sitting, we were having a cup of coffee, and, and, and it was something that I thought that we had gotten, uh, there was a hurt that we had both been, we, Adrian and I had both been hurt uh, by some other people, and I thought we were well past it, and then all of a sudden, last night, uh, something happened that just kind of, that, you know, it just kind of, it kind of stung you again. Does that ever happen to you, where it's like, you, you forgave it, you moved past it, and then it's like, years later, all of a sudden, Boom, and like it just comes back and it hurts you all over again like it was yesterday. And we're sitting there and I'm just, I'm getting worked up. And whenever I get really worked up, uh, Jaden and Adrian know this, whenever I get really worked up, I get this little like twitch. Uh, so uh, I was getting, I was getting my little, I was getting my little twitch. And Adrian, uh, she's, you know, she's a lot more spiritual than I am. She's like, well, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray for those people? You know what? There, there's people in our lives. Is there someone in your life? And all I would say is maybe I haven't been as hurt as badly as you have in whatever your situation is. But you know what? All of us in here, I think all of us have dealt with that. All of us have dealt with hurts. All of us have dealt with pains. All of us have dealt with people who have, people who have hurt us. Uh, and we all have to wrestle with those things. But Jesus says, forgive us our debts. And he connects it as we forgive our debtors. So this is the value that he places. It's, it's extremely important to God. Next, I want you to consider this truth, the miracle. The miracle of Jesus' command to ask for forgiveness. And we see this. He says, and forgive us. He's telling us to go to God. And forgive us our debts. Forgive us our <coughs> debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, that's a really interesting word, isn't it? Now, to be clear, I want to be clear right off the bat that this is one of the words that are used in the scripture for sin. Okay, so he is talking about asking forgiveness for sin, but the word that he uses is the word debts. It's the word debts. And it's specifically the idea is financial debts. So why would he use this word debts instead of sins? This was something that kind of threw me for a whirl a little bit this week as I was as I was studying through this. And, and here's what I found. Here's, here's a problem for us. Whenever we study scripture, and this is this is true for you, when you're studying the Bible on your own, uh, you don't want to owe, you want to make sure that you're not just reading scripture through a 21st century lens. Because things sometimes are a little bit different. They mean they meant different things in different cultures, and what it meant to them. Uh, we need to understand what Scripture meant to them in order to understand what it means for us. So whenever we read debts, a lot of times we're looking at it and we think, I don't know about you, I'm going to confess my sin right now. Uh, so, and I'll say sorry, I'm before I so please forgive me. Uh, but uh, whenever we think about debts, if you are like me, I think about those like those evil creditors. You know, it's like this this. This big organization that they have these billions of dollars, and here they're you know they're calling me for my they're calling me for my the twenty five dollar the twenty five dollar whatever. It's like leave me alone. You guys don't need it. And that's the way that we think about it. We often think whenever whenever we're in debt, and also I, and I don't want to minimize because I do understand and I do know how stressful having debt can be. Uh, but in America, we do have laws to protect. To protect people who are in debt. Uh, there are bankruptcy laws and all of those kinds of things. In the first century, it was quite different. In the first century, it was quite different. 
You see, if you got into debt, if you took on debts that you couldn't pay back, then you didn't file for bankruptcy, lose your stuff, and then kind of start over. If you went into bankruptcy, you went into prison. They put you into prison where you went into a, basically a labor camp. You, you went through hard labor. And this is what I found too, that this was just like, this was brutal. That you would work and you would get paid for your work. But then they would take your money and they would take a, a portion of your money and it would go to paying your rent in jail. So you would pay, you would pay, part of your money would go towards jail rent. And then the other part of your money would go towards paying your debts. So usually the way that it would work, especially if you, if you owed quite a bit, then you would work every single day and your money would go towards paying your rent and then towards paying the interest on what you owed. And you would never actually pay off the principal on what you owed. So if you went into debtor's prison, for a lot of people, that was a lifelong sentence. And Jesus said, Jesus, so Jesus instructs us, forgive us our debts. That's the idea. It was kind of that scary feeling of, it was that scary feeling of, hey, if you have debts, then, then, and it gets called out, then that's a big thing. And a lot of times we look at this, we look at these debts and we say, well, my debts, like, they can't be that big of a deal. They can't be that big of a deal. And here's how Jesus illustrates it to Peter later. He gives, he gives Peter an illustration of the debts that we owe to God. And he says that there was this man, and maybe you've heard the story before, there was this man and he owed 10,000 talents to this king. And he went before the king and he was supposed to be thrown into this debtor's prison and then the king forgave him. And then the man went out and he had someone who owed him a little bit and he owed him a little bit and he wouldn't forgive that man. You know, I've always read that story about the 10,000 talents and I thought, you know, 10,000 talents, that must be a lot, especially in comparison to how much he was owed. But then I found out this week, I was talking to David about it, I found out this week how much 10,000 talents is worth. You ready for this? Like, I'm going to give you a second. Like, just look over your neighbor and take a guess. Look over your neighbor and take a guess. How much do you think 10,000 talents is worth in today's money? You ready? Three point five billion with a B dollars. That's how much this guy owed. From an article that I read from research on all of that for interest. You ready for this? To be able to pay your interest, like just to stay up with the interest payments, you would have to make five dollars per second to pay your interest. That is how much this man owed to this king. And the story is an illustration of your sins, your sins against God. You are racking up debts against God. And it's not just, you know, whenever I think about 10,000 talents, I thought, you know, $10,000. Like, that's, that's a lot of money, but, you know, that's not like $3.5 billion. And here's what he's saying is that the debt that this man owed is a representative of what we owe to God. And it's, it is beyond our ability to pay. It is beyond our ability to even fathom, yet Jesus tells us here in the Lord's Prayer, go to God and say, forgive us our debts. God, I know that I've racked up $3.5 billion worth of sins against you, and I'm coming before you and asking you to forgive. I'm asking you to forgive. Now, why did Jesus tell us to do that? Well, in the idea of a debtor's prison, there was two ways 
that you could get out of debtor's prison. One way was if you finally worked it off. Now, obviously, if you owe $3.5 billion worth of debts, you're not making $5 a second. You're not making $5 a second. The other way that you get out of debtor's prison is if someone on the outside paid it for you. And here's the reason why Jesus could say, go to God and say, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. It's because you could not pay it, but someone else did. The Bible says for the wages, the earnings of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can never work to pay it off. You could never earn your debts against God, but Jesus, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, he has made us alive together with Christ, and by his grace, we are saved. And on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. The reason why Jesus could pay it is because of his suffering on the cross. And as he hung on that cross, God poured out his wrath. All of the, all of the debts were paid for as Jesus hung on that cross for you and for me. So we can go to God and say, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Could I ask you this question? Have you received the payment for sin that Jesus offered for you? Whenever I was a whenever I was a teenager, we had a we had a snow day, and I know a couple of you, you a couple of you have heard this story. But whenever I was a teenager, we had a snow day in Arkansas, so it wasn't here in Houston; it was in Arkansas. And me and my brother and my two sisters, goodness, I'm just telling all the stories about me and my brother and my sisters today. Uh, but me and my brother and my two sisters, we decided to go out and we were going to go have fun in the snow. The girls made a made a snowman, and me and my brother we were playing out in the snow, and then we had a snowball fight. And as we're going through our snowball fight, we're having, we're having a blast. And, and then all of a sudden, my sister Elena, she, she threw a snowball at me, and then she ran up onto our front porch, onto our front porch. So I went, and I went, I, was, I don't know, I was probably like 20 feet away from her. I got the snowball, I, I packed it in tight, I was ready, and I threw it right at her. And it was one of those moments where like chariots of fire music was, was going on in the background, like it, because it was just such a perfect throw. Like, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. The, the, the snowball, the ice, really, I packed it so tight, it had become like ice. The ice balls going through the air, and, and there's the music. And, and it's just going, it's going right for her face. That's perfect. You're going to break her nose or something. And then, something absolutely horrible happened. She ducked. Like, Matrix style, she like, moved out of the and, and it went by her. And it went right through the front window of our house. Right through the front window. And there I am as a 13-year-old boy. I've just broken the window at my dad's house in 25-degree weather, 30-degree weather. And there I am. I owe my dad for the window. Here's the problem. I'm 13. I don't have a job. I don't have a way to pay for it. And I'm certainly, some of you know this if you've worked around here with me at all, uh, you know that I'm not a handyman. I'm just not. <laughs> so I, I can't fix it. I can't afford it. And then I'm sure 
just like I've embarrassed my whole family by telling stories about them. My dad, I'm sure, was embarrassing me in church, talking about how I broke the window. It was such a great story, right? <clears throat> and then there was this man in our church, and his name is Bobby. Bobby came up to came up to my dad, and he said, hey, listen, I'll, I'll get the window. I'll take care of the window. And there I was. I, I owed for the window. It was my responsibility to pay for the window. Yet, because of the kindness of someone's heart, they did for me what I could not do for myself. And they paid for that window, and they installed that window, and they replaced that window, and they did for me what I could never do. My friend, that's what Jesus did for you. Amen. You've broken the law of God. You've rebelled against him. You've tried to make yourself God, yet Jesus loves you so much that he said, I will die for you, and I'll pay for every sin to offer you forgiveness and to offer to you freely. If you will but ask, if you will but ask, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then finally, I want you to notice the transformation, the transformation of forgiveness, the transformation of forgiveness. Because a lot of times it's easy to look at this text, it's easy to look at forgive us our debts, and then that second part of we forgive our debtors. And just a couple of verses later, Jesus is going to make it very clear that God takes our forgiveness versus our bitterness very, very seriously. A couple of verses later, he talks about, hey, listen, if you won't forgive others, then you won't be forgiven. And he goes through that a couple of, he goes through that a couple of verses later. So it's extremely important. And a lot of times it's easy to look at this verse and it's easy to just say, you need to forgive. And I asked the question earlier, who have you not forgiven? And it's easy for us to all leave the service and for me to say, all right, now go out and forgive somebody. Can I tell you something? That if you go out today and you just determine in your own strength, you know what, I'm just going to decide to forgive. You're probably going to fall flat on your face. You're probably going to fall flat on your face. So here's the transformation that this forgiveness offers. He starts off with God's forgiveness for us, and then he connects it again with the word as. With the word as. Now, a lot of times people can read that, and people will read that as, you know, I want you to forgive me because I've forgiven other people. Like, I've earned your forgiveness by me forgiving other people. But the relationship here, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is that it's like it's a transfer. It's like flowing through us. Because we've received forgiveness, and because we understand I owe $3.5 billion worth of sins, then I can more readily grant forgiveness. Remember at the beginning of the message where I talked about how surely maybe, maybe you are struggling with, well, you don't know how badly I have been hurt. Could I just say that the debts that have been racked up against you pale in comparison to the $3.5 million debt that you've racked up against God, and God freely offers that forgiveness to you. And he says in Ephesians 4, 32, it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That God's forgiveness, the gospel of Jesus, the fact that we can never earn our forgiveness, but God gives it to us because of his son, because I understand that I have been forgiven much, then I can go out likewise and I can forgive because I understand how I've been forgiven. The context of this text is that if you won't forgive, then you don't really understand. You, have, you don't understand or you haven't received forgiveness from God. If I understand my forgiveness, then I can forgive others. It's the fuel by which I can forgive. God's forgiveness for me is what makes it possible to forgive others. You have to have the right fuel. 
If you're trying to do it just in your own strength or willpower, you're just going to end up becoming bitter and angry and miserable. But if you're doing it out of the outflow of the gospel, then you can forgive because you understand how you were loved and forgiven. Uh, a while back, whenever I was a youth pastor, we had a guest speaker who came in. We had this we had this big event. We invited a bunch of teenagers so that they could hear the gospel. And whenever the speaker came in, he was talking to me about he had just gotten like this brand new truck. He had just gotten this brand new truck, and he was super excited about it. And and, and I think it was a diesel. I think it was a diesel a diesel engine truck. And he was excited about it. And then he said, and then one of the guys on my team. So he had a couple of college students that traveled around the country with him doing these events for teenagers around the country. He said, I let one of my guys drive my truck. It's diesel, they got to the gas station, and instead of putting diesel, they put gas. And of course, you know, that doesn't work out so well. You have to have the right fuel, or else you'll completely destroy that diesel. Whenever it comes to forgiveness, so many of us fail at forgiving because we're forget we're trying to forgive with the wrong fuel. If I'm going to be able to forgive, if you're going to be able to forgive those people who have hurt you, those people who have offended you, those people who have messed you up, the only way that you can do that is if it's fueled by the gospel, if it's fueled by the forgiveness of Jesus. So today, as we walk away from this, we ask this question. Have I received the forgiveness that Jesus offers? Because he's paid for every mistake. He's paid for every sin. And whenever I look at my need to forgive others, because I think all of us would say, hey, there's someone that I need to forgive. Am I going to try, am I, am I willing to let the gospel be the fuel for which I will forgive? So today, let's walk out as forgiving people. We say every week we want to love Jesus and we want to love like Jesus, right? So if we're going to love like Jesus, it's gonna be we gotta be forgiving people because we are forgiving people. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Christ.